Welcome to the Growth League podcast, where we interview business owners who have experienced quantum leap growth in their business. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into our guests' firsthand experience about what it was like 90 days before and 90 days after that point when their business started experiencing massive growth. I am here with my guest, Ted Fleming. He is the founder of Partake Brewing. Um, it's a brewer of award-winning, multiple award-winning craft non-alcoholic beer. I met Ted in uh, in our EO group um, a couple of years ago and then have been on a sort of a daily routine of, of looking at LinkedIn and looking online to see uh, something new coming out of, out of Partake. So Ted, thank you for coming. I appreciate uh, you taking the time. Thanks, Caleb. Great to great to be on your show. Awesome. So, <clears throat> uh, the founder of, of Partake Brewing, um, some of the and Premium Near Beer, some of the first companies in North America that are dedicated exclusively to non-alcoholic uh, spirits and, and beers and wine. Right, um, Ted, bring us back to the origin story. Why why did you get into this? Um, uh, I know that a significant uh, scenario happened in your life in, in early two thousands, but, but walk us through the origin story. Sure. So, you know, going back to the very beginning, it, it really started in around 2005. I was kind of in my mid twenties, getting my feet underneath me sort of out, just out of university college in Toronto, early on career. And, um, you know, I was playing a lot of sports. I was actually playing sports at a professional level. Uh, I wasn't a professional athlete, but a uh, very accomplished uh, squash player. And, um, you know, I, I went into uh, my doctor's office for, you know, your annual checkup. It's just, you know, you kind of check that box every year and kind of go on with your life when you're in your 20s. At least that's what it seemed to me. And then unfortunately, what came out of that was um, a diagnosis of Crohn's disease. And, you know, at first I was, you know, somewhat in denial about, you know, what impact that would have. And, you know, I could just kind of, kind of ride through it and it wouldn't impact me that much. Um, but as time went on, it, it, it kind of, it, it manifests itself in much more, um, much more significant ways. And it wasn't until 2010 at that point, I was, I was married. Uh, my wife and I had just had our first daughter and, and we were on vacation in the Mediterranean, uh, visiting some relatives of, of my wife's. And uh, unfortunately for me, what what was going to be this amazing vacation uh, turned uh, south quite quickly. I, I ended up in the hospital after having some serious uh, uh, pain um, in my gut and, and, and ended up really spending that, that entire vacation in the hospital. I had this I had this great view of the ocean and and the sea, but uh, you know you're in a room, a shared room with some other people who are who are some, in some pretty rough shape, and I wasn't in the best of shape either. And and it was sort of that time that I had to kind of just sit there by myself and and reflect on you know where things were going and and being a new dad at the at the time was I I think a bit it had a big impact on on where my where my mind was going at that point but uh, ultimately what came out of that was i you know built a resolve that i was really going to change things i was going to take my diet much more seriously uh my health sleep um and then prioritizing things that were important to me like like family and and my my new daughter and you know 
doing these things that would make sure that, you know, I was around for her and that she didn't, she didn't have to grow up seeing me in the hospital on and off. So those, those kind of two things really came together. And then, you know, when I got back from the vacation, um, I really started to try to implement some of those changes and giving up alcohol was one of those, but I, I found it very hard because of uh, just the lack of good options in the non-alc beer category. And I was a, I was a beer lover just starting to get into craft and uh, yeah, really struggled with that, that aspect of what I was trying to change. So um, can you give us just a quick, um, for those that don't know what, what's all involved in Crohn's disease? Um, obviously diet uh, is a big part of it and, and things that you need to uh, eliminate, but give us a sense of, of what it's all about. Yeah, so it's it's an autoimmune disease. It um, from a genetic perspective, it it's uh, similar to things like asthma and diabetes. So those things can run run in families and manifest itself in different generations as as asthma, as Crohn's disease, as diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back in my family history, my grandmother had. Uh, asthma, my mother has diabetes and I have Crohn's disease. So when I started reading about the genetic part of, of this uh, condition, that, that all kind of made sense for me. Um, so there's that component of it. it. From a management point of view, yeah, diet's important. It's very individualistic. So, you know, for me, giving up alcohol was a big, uh, you know, alcohol was a trigger for sure. Um, but that's not to say that it is for everyone with Crohn's disease. There are lots of people with different triggers. This is just one that was very, very specific and undeniable for me. Okay. So you fast forward a little bit and you're, you're contemplating sort of how do you want to, uh, how do you want to change? How do you want to, um, you know, make sure that you're putting things in your life that, uh, that result in you being around for your family. I mean, I have a 18 month old daughter now and I can't imagine, right. So, uh, you know, not being there. Um, so, at some point you're, you're in the grocery, uh, the grocery store. And I mean, every, anyone who's ever, I'm also a, a non-alcoholic beer fan and you know, the, the options were slim and it was, it was, I think in your words, it was crap, right? Um, a lot of the options there. So, uh, you saw an opportunity, what, what happened over the next, once, once the light bulb went off for you, what happened over the next 30 to 60 days? Yeah. So there was actually a, a friend of a friend of my wife and mine that uh, she was a beer writer in Toronto and, and she was pregnant with her first child. And, and one of the articles she wrote during that time was, you know, what's what are the best non-alcoholic beers around? And that kind of opened my eyes. Like I was just I was just at that point resigned to what was on the shelf and w- wasn't really exploring things um, in a big way. And And she wrote this article that highlighted some European beers that uh, uh, that you could get in the uh, the greater Toronto area and so I went around and drove out to Oakville and Mississauga and and Markham and picked all these up and was like wow there's actually you know some decent quality there's a variety in this category but after like the second time uh, driving around Toronto, I said, okay, this is not a sustainable way to do thing. Anyone that knows about Toronto traffic uh, can visualize what, what I'm talking about. But, uh, um, you know, I, I knew it wasn't going to be a long-term solution because it just, it wasn't easy. And so I said, okay, there's got to be someone online, at least making these available so I could get it delivered to my house and, and, and not have to go through the, the, you know, the, 
the numbing, the mind numbing pain of driving through uh, Toronto to pick up one, one specific product. So I, I started looking around for somebody selling online, nothing on Amazon, nothing, no direct websites, no, no, um, you know, the grocery stores weren't doing it. it you know, grocery e-commerce in 2013 and 2012 <laughs> is not what it is today. Um, so, you know, I, I looked at that and said, okay, here's, here's an opportunity. I, at least I'll, you know, I'll consolidate it, create a little website and, you know, we'll see what, we'll see what happens. And, you know, that got a lot of early response and, and, you know, a lot of the early customers were people like me who had health or medical conditions, had given up alcohol, but still wanted to socialize, still wanted to enjoy the taste of beer. And, um, you know, I was making that easy for them. So, you know, what turned out, you know, started as, okay, I'm solving a problem, which was, you know, just accessibility some, to some of these harder to find products. Um, you know, that shifted in my mind as I started getting feedback from customers to, okay, I'm really actually helping these people, you know, live a, a more normal life. Um, and it's something as simple as just a, a beer, um, but it had a lot of impact on, on people and it made it just, it made them feel normal when you know there was this other shit going on in their lives which was making it difficult and the last thing you want to do is you know have that cascade into okay i can't even have you know barbecue and beers with my friends anymore right. if i've got this you know cancer diagnosis or something right so it became a much bigger um you know thing that we were doing and a recognition that we were we were really helping people it wasn't just solving like this you know discrete problem it was it was bigger than that Totally. I mean, you if anyone hasn't taken a look at your your guys's branding and your marketing, um, it's very clear that you guys are way way beyond uh, a product, right? Um, a lot of the content is about um, you know things that are just about bringing people together, about in inclusivity, about living life and and uh, getting the most out of it. And I, you can see based on your initial story, there's a lot of remnants of 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 that and, and what you wanted your life to be about after that is bleeding itself into this brand. I think one of the first things I noticed about Partake, besides the unbelievable taste, and I'm, I'm not just saying that because you're on the call, like every non-alcoholic beer uh, before that, that I tried, which honestly was only the black and white Budweiser. It was just it was painful. Right. And uh, anyways, so beyond, beyond the taste, um, uh, you know, you can, you can tell that it's a, it's a brand that you want to be a part of. It's a, it's a movement almost that you want to be a part of. And I think that for so long, non-alcoholic beer was like what your old, old you know, old people drank it or, or, you know, kind of the fringe drink, but now it's like, I don't know if this was inspired by your time in Toronto, but it is like very inclusive and it's very, very uh, normal. So I thank you for pushing through on that and making that happen. But tell me about the brand a little bit and what is it built on? Yeah, so Partake was, was um, you know, conceptualized in 2016 and, and we launched on Kickstarter in, in 2017. So it was an evolution out of that, that online store I, I talked about earlier. And it was three years into, into the online store where we were running up against, uh, you know, some some business pressures, just shipping product, being a retailer, um, you know, and, and, and essentially not, uh, not having the big beer companies willing to work with us to expand our business. So we, right. we were coming up against some, some challenges to expand that. And, you know, at the same time, we had our customers who were, our customer base was growing exponentially. We had 5,000 customers who were subscribed to our email list at that point. 
um, really passionate group of people that, you know, and I think that comes from the fact that it was, it was more than just solving this problem. It was, it was, um, a, a real, um, you know, uh, empathy towards their, their problem that they saw through, you know, my story and solving it and a, and a connection there. So, you know, they started, those customers started to, you know, be very communicative with us and say, Hey, can you get this? Can you get that? And one of those, one of those big things that I kept hearing over and over was, can you get craft non-alcoholic beer? And, and I went out and talked to a bunch of craft non-alcoholic or craft brewers at the time. And, you know, we were still pretty early on in this movement and, you know, I, I, I don't want to paint them all with the same brush, but, you know, a few laughed me out of their tap rooms, basically. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, I, I'm a pretty competitive guy. So I, and I like proving people wrong. So <laughs> when, when they did that, I was like, all right, well, we'll show you. And, uh, you know, Partake was born out of, you know, a few of those, um, you know, a few of those closed doors and, and also the support and passion of our, our customer base. So yeah, launched in 2017 on Kickstarter. Um, that community that we built uh, through the online store was instrumental in having a, a, a very successful Kickstarter campaign. Uh, we reached our $10,000 goal in the first three hours. Uh, we eventually hit uh, roughly 30000 out of the $10,000 target. So, you know, quite a good start. And then, you know, Definitely some challenges along the way. Anyone who's who's made uh, physical goods, uh, you know, there's there are definitely challenges on production and you know making things to spec and uh, having uh, having consistency, which you know doesn't happen from square one. You need to you need to work at it. And so um, yeah, it took a few years to really get partake uh, to a place where we could say this is you know this is a top quality product and a top quality brand. Uh, in the space. Gotcha. So, you know, the podcast is all, it's called the growth league, right? So it's all about uh, taking a microscope to, um, you know, what, what were the, what were the precursors to growth? What were the, um, what were the, uh, you know, unique elements about your scale journey? What did that manifest itself as in terms of employees or revenue or a combination of both? Can you tell us from a little bit about, you know, from conception to, hockey stick growth, you know, tell us, and there's never one moment, but tell us about that scaling point, that tipping point. Yeah. So yeah, I like going back to the online store, that community building, like for me, that was, you know, the testing phase. I spent three years literally figuring out where, where this market was going, where the gaps were. Um, you know, so I, a lot of people kind of jump into things with the product to, you know, solve, solve an issue. Um, you know, I took three years. So I, I think that's a very important element of the story. Um, and then, you know, we bootstrapped, we were very, um, very conservative, we didn't, you know, get out uh, ahead of our skis in terms of, you know, raising money too early, spending too much money before there was, you know, proof of concept, we built um, very incrementally, like one, you know, starting with, okay, we had our online store, which was great. We added a few independent liquor stores. We added a few bars and restaurants. We added some small retailers with maybe two or three stores. Um, and then ultimately we, we kind of built enough of a story and, you know, put ourselves out there and, you know, it helped that we were the real trailblazers in this, in the Renaissance of non-alcoholic beer. So mm -hmm. when new opportunities came up from retailers, 
you know, we were in this great position to uh, take advantage of that. So in Ontario, the beer store, which is a big uh, beer retailer, um, they started bringing in non-alf beer. And I think that was largely, largely because Budweiser had launched their, their uh, prohibition product product. And, you know, they, they needed to represent other brands besides just their, uh, just the big guys. So, um, you know, we were included in that, in that launch. And then, um, you know, and next, the next thing for us was, so that was with our IPA. That was our first product. We launched a second product, our pale ale in, in 2018. And then in the summer, we found out that product had won the gold medal at the world beer award for the world's best non-alcoholic beer. And then, you know, from there that that was kind of a pivotal moment where a whole bunch of people started to take notice and say hey there's there's this really small company here in Canada homegrown that's you know moving the needle in this category right a, a world leader and you know so all of a sudden the LCBO says okay well let's take a look at your product and and they were they were really the first retailer to take on that pale ale product which which was really accessible. The IPA, you know, much more specific to, to craft beer people, but the pale ale was able to extend, you know, our customer, you know, the, 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 the breadth of customer that could try partake. And it, it was kind of that launch in the LCBO on the back of that world beer award that really kind of set us off on this, uh, this trajectory. That being said, we were still bootstrapping at that time. So we, we, we continued that through another 18 months to two years from that, uh, from that juncture. Where's partake at right now in, in terms of, uh, you know, the next mountain you want to climb or, or, uh, what, what does increased distribution look like? I know that you, you can get it in the States and Canada and there's, there's export opportunities available, but where's the company at right now? Yeah. So we, we raised our first round of equity fund funding, uh, this past summer, it was a $4 million, uh, us, uh, raise. Um, congrats, again, man. and I think, congrats. thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, I, you know, it was a lot of years of just, you know, bootstrapping, really trying to, you know, I was, I was finding it largely by myself and, you know, with that comes a lot of stress, right. If things go, if things go sideways, um, you know, it, it's going to hurt. Um, so it's nice to have partners now. It kind of, it kind of uh, makes it, uh, makes it easier day to day. I don't need to figure out, you know, if I have to collect a receivable to make sure we make payroll. Um, we're in a much, you know, much better position there. And, and, you know, I, I think a lot of that, like that, that round happened because, um, you know, we had a great product and a great team, but the fact that we were able to bootstrap it and, and build the brand, the way that we did with limited resources, um, you know, they people with money look at it and say, "Hey, what if this had actually good resources behind it? It would it would do incredible things." And then, you know, since we've had the funding, we've been able to lock down a whole bunch of U.S. states. Those things are just starting to come on board, U.S. retailers. And then, you know, in parallel with the raise, we were actually able to really build our Canadian business through uh, large retailers like Loblaws. Sobe Safeway, um, Metro, uh, et cetera. So, you know, we, we've had great success domestically and the, and the money we've raised is really meant to uh, accelerate our brand into the, uh, the U.S. market. What role did, uh, did marketing play, whether that be, you know, traditional or digital during this, uh, between, um, between the award and right now? In terms like of- sam- sampling issues. 
like like for us, like marketing is a big part of what we do. And and I would say sampling is probably the most effective thing we can do. We're, I, I, you know, back to your point of, you know, a lot of people think non-alcoholic beer is, you know, what their grand grandparents or grandfather drank, right? It's not, it's nothing special. It's a compromise. Um, the best thing we can do to overcome that sort of longstanding stigma around the entire category is just get people to taste it. Right. And people do, and they're like, wow, that's really good. And so that overcomes the taste hurdle. And then oftentimes there's a second hurdle, which is, well, you know, it's good, but you know, if I'm drinking non-alcoholic, I want something low in calories and, you know, non-alcoholic beers, usually like 50 to hundred calories. So I'm not sure I would, I would choose the product because of that. And then, you know, we have an answer to that because our products are, you know, 10, 20, 30 calories a can. So ultra low in calories, probably the best, you know, we like to say it's the best taste per calorie in, in all of beer. And, um, you know, I think those, that combination of, of things is, uh, is really appealing. The other stigma I've totally forgot about, and this was, I would say in, in retrospect, the, the biggest thing that prevented me from ever dipping into that category, because I love beer, um, was that if you're drinking non-alcoholic beer, it means you're a severely recovering alcoholic. You know, I think that that's, that's the stigma that like it back in the day, it used to be where it's like, that's not, that's not true for a big majority of the, of the, of the non, non-elk beer drinkers. Did you face any challenges as it relates to getting over that stigma? Yeah, we, we totally heard early on, um, you know, this must be for, you know, recovering alcoholics. Like, I, I think, I'm not sure where that came from, but that's kind of, that was a very common response that we would get when we were sampling. And, you know, I, I think, I think that comes from the fact that people couldn't understand why else you would, you would drink a non-alcoholic beer because they were, they were bad, right? So if you're going to drink a bad product, you, you must, you know, there must be something something wrong else wrong with you to make you to make you go down that path what we've done i think is is make the product actually taste as good as alcoholic beer better than better than many other brands in fact from a taste perspective so you know we've kind of opened up that window to say hey look if you if you love the taste of beer you like the refreshment of beer but you know there's there's definitely times when people aren't drinking alcohol because because of various reasons this is a product you can just have instead of a you know a sparkling water or a juice or or an iced tea right it provides refreshment it tastes good it's low calorie um and it allows you to just go on with your day so i think there's this whole evolution in terms of how people are looking at you know use occasion around all beverages but particular particularly around you know when does alcohol make sense when does non-alc make sense and accepting that, yeah, I, you know, people like the taste of, of beer and the refreshment that that brings, but also they like the freedom that, that having no alcohol in it also brings. Mm, yeah. So, so over, to, over your time building, building the brand, building the company, obviously you're a member of EO and, and probably um, sought some counsel along the way. What would you say the fundamental pillars of growth are um, in terms of, if you don't have these, you're not going to grow either as a, as a, as a beer brand or as a company, just in general, what have you leaned on for, for growth? 
Yeah, I think for us, um, you know, there's two things you do are, are building a foundation, but I'd go back one step before that of, of, you know, choosing the right place to build before you even build the foundation. And, and for us, it was really, um, it was really about solving a problem that no one else was solving. And I think it took, you know, the, the online store was, was validating that this was a large enough problem and, per, and a pervasive enough problem to, that was worth investing in to solve. But, you know, it's, it's been easier for us because we were first to market and we were right. Now, those are, those are hard things to, to get. It's not, you can't just, you know, decide. It just kind of, for us, somewhat fate. Um, but, you know, I look back and I say, okay, well, we had a few years of runway to kind of, to kind of figure things out before we had a lot of competition on our back. We have a lot of competition now, but we're, we're ahead. And so we're in a nice place to be, right? We're, we have to be displaced, not, not play catch up. Right. And so, um, you know, looking back, I think finding, f- finding the fertile ground to build on in the first place is, is important. Um, and that's not easy. That's probably the hardest part. Um, the second part is, you know, and, and this again was, was a luxury, luxury that we had because we, we chose the right, the right location to build was, you know, having time to make those incremental uh, foundational steps and, and really build a strong um, base to the business before we, be, before we were able to really accelerate. So we had a few years where we, we figured out a lot of things um, in a low risk environment. And once, you know, we got to the big show, so to speak, um, we'd learn those lessons. And so people that are trying to jump into the space now and trying to compete with us, they're learning the lessons we learned three years ago. Mm. And so, you know, we're able to, we're able, able to take, I think, bigger strides because, you know, we had the opportunity to, to learn from mistakes and, uh, and, and the opportunity to make those mistakes in an, in an environment that, uh, it wasn't, uh, um, existential. Right. Nobody was paying attention yet. Right. So you could, you could be a little bit more calculated in it. What, um, <clears throat> in terms of building a beer brand like this, what are the, what are the biggest challenges you, you hear everybody, whether, whether it's, you're starting a brewery or you're starting a, a, a beer brand or an alcohol brand, uh, you know, what thoughts, like, what thoughts do you have in terms of how, how difficult is that to do? I'd imagine it's quite complex. I mean, it's an ex- extremely saturated market. And becoming more so in the non-elk space as well as you mentioned. Yeah, so I, you know, if you're in the alcoholic beer space, it's 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 very hard right now, right? There's there's so many brands out there. There's so many angles that people are, you know, putting towards their beer. Is there is there fertile ground out there? Probably, but it, it's harder to find, and it's very uh, very narrow. Um, you know, I, I think our our category was ignored for many years because people thought it was just too small to um, pay attention to. Um, you know, guys like us who have proved you can make great tasting non-out product have really expanded that category. So now it is something that uh, a lot of other beer companies are paying attention to. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, generally there's two met, like you can build your own brewery. And I think, I think you're still seeing success with new breweries that have um, a strong local appeal. If you're a, a brew pub and you service a, a small geographic area and you can be a great place to, 
congregate. Obviously now is a very tough time for those, those breweries, but I think that's, I think that's the value that they add, right? Is, and, and, and even though it's very tough right now, it, this period kind of shows, shows that value, right? Like we want to get together. We want to place the, you know, to, to hang out with our buddies that we can, um, you know, that we, that we can socialize yeah. at that yeah. and it's friendly and uh, has great product and great atmosphere. And a lot of local breweries and brew pubs uh, with their tap rooms, you know, that's what they provide. Um, you know, if, if you want to get, get big regional or national in scale, that's very difficult, right? Yeah. It's, it's hard to find, it's hard to find an avenue to get there. I would think at this point, because it is very, it's a very saturated market and and often those breweries start start off with that local, that local vibe, that local message, that local support. But it's it's really hard to scale that beyond, um, yeah. you know, a city. Makes sense. What's Ted's day to day like? What's what's your role now in in Partake? Yeah, what's my day to day? Good question. <laughs> you know, I, I think you know you you talked about EO, um, and I went through that. Um, the EO accelerator program over the the prior 18 months. And, you know, I, I, I'm grateful for that because it was, it was an important experience for me just in terms of the way I look at my business, organizing it, um, making the evolution from, you know, the, the chief doer to, you know, the guy that thinks about the business plans, the business puts the pieces in place, but doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't do, you know, the day-to-day work. And so, that was an important step in that evolution. And it's, it's, I think that's just a continuous process. I'll never, I'll never have mastered it, but I, you know, if, if I make steps every, every week and every month towards that, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Um, you know, I've got a coach and a mentor now, which is very, I think, important to me. So, you know, generally speaking, um, trying to work on the high level planning of the business uh, the marketing strategy, making sure we're correctly resourced, the allocation of those resources are going to the right space, but the actual execution, um, you know, I'm lucky, I'm lucky to say that, uh, I have a great team that, uh, that takes care of that. So, um, yeah, my day-to-day looks a bit more like someone who, uh, uh, checks some boxes, you know, goes through some checklists, reads some books, um, does some business business development on you know future fundraising, future partners, managing relations with some big suppliers and big customers. But generally, the day to day, my team uh, takes care of, and and with that comes you know some some team building and and mm-hmm. focus on you know culture and and building up the people uh, within the team. We have generally a pretty young team, so um, and that that to be honest, is complemented by some people with some great experiencing and great leadership quality. So we're, we're still a very small team relative to our sales, but uh, um, we're very, I, I think we're very nimble and, and very capable um, even so. So that's awesome. It's good. I still know the names of everyone on my team. I was just going to say that. I was going to ask you that. Uh, it's, it's nice to be in a, uh, when you said a small team in comparison to revenue, revenue, that's a good position to be in. So good, good job on that. Um, <clears throat> If you could go back sort of six months to a year before Partake even became a, a thing um, and you had two minutes to talk to younger Ted, uh, what would you share with them? And you only have two minutes. And, and maybe it's a, 
component of, Hey, watch out for this or Hey, double down on this. What do you, what are you telling that guy? Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's hard to second guess myself. Things have worked out pretty well. Um, you know, I, I think I would, I would say, you know, you know, show up every day, you know, put in, put in, put in the work one day after the other, um, you know, and build, build upon what you did. Um, you know, I, I think largely I did that fairly well. I think one other thing, you know, as, as more of as a, a criticism of something I could have done better was, you know, we, we had, we had built a, a great community through our online store um, and through the, uh, you know, eventually through the Kickstarter campaign. Um, I, I think the, the focus on community and, and, really trying to harness the power of, of these people who are extremely passionate about our mission and what we're doing. I think if we, we could have done, uh, we could have been a bit more formal about, or more strategic about, you know, how we, how we utilized, uh, that network, uh, earlier on, uh, we're definitely paying more attention to it now and, and really trying to, you know, you know, lift up, all these people that have, have been so supportive of us and, and you, you know, allow them to, you know, help with the mission. Um, and, uh, I think in hindsight, that was probably something that took us longer than, than I would have liked to have, uh, to have engaged in. Hindsight's 2020, but I think you never, you're never at the place you are unless you went through the things in the exact order that you went through them in. So, and I know you, you understand that. So, this is, uh, this is the last question I always, I always end off with, but, um, you know, great companies, uh, typically have great leaders involved and, um, and not always, but most of the time, great leaders have great, uh, routines. Are, are you, are you a man of a routine? And if so, what, what goes into yours? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, uh, show you guys something here. I've got this, uh, this nice new tablet that my EA got me nice. and, what's what's special about this tablet is it has like no functionality at all <laughs> the only thing it does is you can write on it and it saves your notes and and it has no distractions which which is why i like it for simplicity um i was also accused of having like a little notebook for like my for just daily conversation. So this, this really uh, saves paper and, and helps me organize. But one of the things I do with this is I, every day I write out, this is my daily checklist. And for me, it's take my medication, drink five glasses of water, um, stretch, do a workout, spend time with the kids, read a book for half an hour. Right now it's play piano for half an hour as well. But you know, it, it allows me every day this little checklist of, you know, and I don't, I don't check off every box every day, but I, I say to myself, look, if I check off, you know, 80% of those every day, I'm, I'm making progress. So, you know, that's, that's my one little thing that I do awesome. every day is write out my checklist, make sure I do these small things. I sprained my ankle recently. I've got like ex ankle exercises three times a day. So these are things that are like small things that would inevitably fall off my radar and just not get done if I didn't have this right. daily checklist that I, that I physically hand write every day. That is a great, so idea. That's, that's I try to do that with an iPad. That, 
I try to do that with an iPad, but like you said, there's way too much going on, uh, too many distractions. So I, I might take a page out of your book on that one. Well, that is, that is it. And I appreciate it, man. It's so, like I said before, it's so cool to see. I remember chatting with you when it was like brand, brand new. I think it must've been, it was definitely before the raise. I mean, way before the raise. It's probably around, when was the Kickstarter again? So the Kickstarter was early 2017. I didn't move yeah. to Calgary until right. January of 2018. And I don't think joined EO until the yeah. fall of that year. So it probably would have been late 2018. Well, all I know is between when we first met and and, and now, um, I've just been so, uh, so happy to see all of it. It seems like a daily win. I know it's probably less than that, but it feels like a daily weekly win, at least for, for the brand. And so it's very cool to, uh, to know you and, and to be able to see that growth. Um, I think that there's a lot of Calgary and, and area business owners that um, can take a lot of inspiration from what you guys have been able to do and what you've been able to, to lead the team through. So appreciate you taking time away from, from the family and um, I'm looking forward to, to getting this one out there. You bet. It was great to, great to connect Caleb and um, yeah, you know, for any aspiring entrepreneurs out there, you know, I'm always, I always try to give back. There's so many guys that uh, uh, that helped me uh, during my journey when you know Partake was just you know much closer to an idea than than an actual brand and you know willing to give me time. So I'm I try to give back as much as possible. So if, uh, if there's anyone out there that that needs uh, needs a, a set of ears to to listen or or to give feedback, uh, look me up on LinkedIn and uh, I try to try to do as much as I can to uh, to give back in that way. That's amazing. Everyone go out and get a, go out and get a four pack, couple four packs. And, uh, is that, is that the quantity? Is that the only quantity now? Four packs? Yeah. Yeah. And in, in Canada, we sell in a four pack in the U S it's a six pack. You can also get us, uh, online at drinkpartake.com. Awesome. Go get as many as you can. Thanks so much. Tim. Thanks. Kelly.